dudes that grow panel show uh, today, man. LEDs, advancement of LEDs continues to truck along. They've gotten much better. They continue to get more affordable. Uh, technology's moving. Spectrums are getting dialed, dare I say, plant specific. So we have a great panel today. And, uh, but no Scotty Real. Scotty Real claims he simply doesn't have an internet connection. So I don't know. Suspect, suspect. But don't worry. I'm going to try and hold it down with a panel today. I'm going to welcome them right now. Uh, we have Brock from HLG Horticultural Lighting Group, an OG supporter of the show, also with the best background on today's panel. I like it. December is the time to show up everything holiday-ish. If it was up uh, November 30th, I'd probably criticize you, but looking good, Brock. How's it going? Doing really good. Doing really good. Awesome. Um, Horticultural Lighting Group been in the game for quite some time. Uh, all of us have been running their lights to some degree. So excited to get some knowledge and some specific LED spectrum questions too. We also have Michigan Matt. I have you labeled here as a pro grower, Michigan Matt. Do you accept that? Is that too much? No, I accept that. Professional is what you do to make it earn a living. So I will take professional. I like it. I like it. Welcome. Thank you for coming back on the panel. Uh, Chad Westport, what's up again? Thank you for being a panelist tonight. Been hanging and appreciate you making time to come on these shows. My pleasure, man. Always stoked to hang out with you guys. And holy cow, what a panel do you have this week? Stoked to be part of it. And Grow Guru back, man. What is going on? It has been a minute. So I was excited to have Grow Guru back on the show and just oh, too bad Scotty's not here to hang. It's like old times, <laughs> Grow Guru. But Man, how you doing? What's buddy? going on, dude? How's it growing? It's growing, guys. This is going to be a fun conversation. Anything you guys want to bring up, chat you guys uh, as well, especially since I, I say I don't want to be mean, but Scotty interrupt us here. Maybe we'll have some dead air and it's live. So we got to keep it rolling. If you guys have specific questions regarding LED for any of the guests, we'll try and keep an eye on the chat. It runs pretty damn quick sometimes. Um, but yeah. Let's get into it. Comment, like, subscribe. If you haven't already for this live panel show, check out our other live shows. Just click on that live tab on YouTube. Um, and man, I think I'll start it uh, just pointing it to you, Brock, with a pretty broad one. But what's what to know about new LED lights for 2024? We're just coming into the new year here. Is there a new, there's always new like UMOL per Joule ratings, or is it, what's the hottest? Is it the spectrum? I know you guys rock the Diablo X is a newer spectrum you put together. But yeah, let's just start the conversation there. We're moving more towards a realm of using a full cycle light because it's one less stressor during transition. So if you can start under your vegetative spectrum and then still transition into your 12-12 flowering spectrum under the same spectrum of light, you're not going to have to go through that same transitional stress that you would changing those spectrums up. Um, and then one of the other things would be, you know, we're, we're also chasing efficiency. And so, you know, when you're trying to create a spectrum that's ideal for both, you're going to have different areas that are going to be more efficient than the other. And so trying to get into a white diode that's going to be more red centered as opposed to, like, say, a blue centered light is not going to be quite as efficient. So we can we can adapt to that as well. Efficiency, definitely. When you talk about, I mean, these three fifth of double X's I hung up were 3.5 watts each, I think. But then because something landing, well, you would know the 350, uh, same as the 350R, but then cut them in half, running them on 220. It's awesome. Chad, what are you, as far as are you running LED wise? This is the biggest, anybody else, the biggest game changer for me as a grower. I mean, yeah, it passed it other than, of course, getting your first really good genetics was 
LED lights and not battling the heat. I mean, Guru, sorry, have you, I know I'm throwing it around here. Have you always been an LED grower? Did you ever have any of those HID days? I, I've grown under some HIDs and like what the old house I lived in when I first moved to Colorado, it was pretty set up with some HPS lights and everything. So I've definitely used those. And then in like a greenhouse environment, like that's somewhere where like uh, HPSs and double ended HPSs are still like fairly commonplace because people use them as heaters. So like in my like classical training, I guess, uh, definitely had some exposure to those two. But as far as uh, like when the evolution in LEDs got to the point that it was more efficient than HPS, like that was the time to switch to me, for me. And it's just kind of gotten better and better and better and better since then. You do see, and you know, coming from a people don't know some of the history, um, when you came out to Colorado, I think you kind of saw some of the things we were doing with the show. You actually built, I believe, an LED for Scotty um, yep. out of a hood, like straight up, like cut holes for LED. What what were those? Cool- those weren't diodes. Those were... What, the, like the uh, system on the chip? Those ones for... Yeah, yeah. It's like blank, a blanket on the name of them. But where it was uh, a more... The uh, cob. Like yeah. A comp, yeah, the cobs, where it was a more compact package of the LEDs. But that's been kind of replaced, and that uh, discrete diodes are definitely the way to go at this point as far as efficiency. See, who wants to... Efficiency-wise, how is that judged mainly? Is it strictly the UMOL per joule rating? And when you're talking efficiency, are you talking the watts that are coming from the outlet specifically? So all of... All of those, uh, so like U-moles per joule and PPF per watt are essentially the same thing, just different conversion factors. So you can change around the the like figures that are with that. But U-moles per joule and PPF per watt are just the general uh, gauges of efficacy for lights. What's the, di- I don't know if this is getting too technical. They're the exact same, right? exact same thing. Well, as far as if I have something that's, uh, let's say, I don't know what early, at least like 1.5 umoles per joule, that's a pretty like lower rating. It's like an HPS. HPS. Yeah. Really? Okay. So forget that. Good to know. Um, and then if I'm up to 2.0, okay, let's say 2.0 versus 2.3, is that what a, a, like a bigger power saving specifically is what I'm gaining there? When you're talking about efficiency, we're talking about for, power saving. For every... For every watt of energy that's going into there, you're getting more light. Yeah, that's that's what that's saying. I dig it. As far and as that's, the, that's another, numbers. Go ahead. Yeah, that's another part of the efficiency, though, from HPS or HIDs to the LED. It's just how efficient is it actually using the amount of power that it's getting? And that's why, you know, back in the day, the classic grows, as we would say, the, the answer to everything was always more power. Now we're actually to a point to where we have probably too much power in the tent. And a lot of times we're running dimmed. So that is kind of the the flip point that I see as well. It's just the efficiency in that aspect. You do see a lot of growers these days. And like, I'm one of them too, where like my LED is all the way to the top of the ceiling of the tent and I it's dimmed down up there and you're still like it being that high, you're getting the most diffuse light that's getting all around too. So, like, it, it's a pretty good way to run a tent. If you have enough power to, you have more than enough power for the tent, running it super high up, dimming it is, like, the way to go. I am finding this time of year, I do know a couple of growers, shout out, JR Token, Sunny and Bectopia, switch back to HID. 
Um, as far as for some gardens that have situations that need heat, my tent where I have a four by three tent with a 350 R from HLG, I run a supplemental heater that only at like 120 Watts. It's very minimal, but the sacrifice to that is, do I turn the light all the way up or turn the heater on with the light down? Cause the plants don't need that bright of expect the spectrum where I'm at uh, with the space resistance canopy. So, and you do want to keep that warmer environment. That's probably one of the biggest things, um, this I would say anybody can comment on thinking about different environment under LED growing. And Scott, Scotty, you can put your hand up when you're when you're ready to. Uh, I got a, a question to set you up, buddy. We'll bring you in here if you think you're good. Um, but you're muted right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, and changes environment and and nutritional inputs. I've heard. I don't know if this is bro science. Where do you feed any differently with whether EC or PPM under LED light versus other lighting. Uh, and same as obviously your environment needs to run warmer due to least surface temperatures. I kind of put two things in one there, but yeah, give me some comments on that. Yes, for sure. On both of those. So um, I would say as far as advice goes, when you're trying to control your environment, I would definitely focus on controlling your vi environment first and then making sure that you've got enough light. So if you can get everything set to the right uh, VPD or, you know, humidity and temperature, and then adjusting your light to where your plants are at in their stage. So, you know, if you don't want to oversaturate your plants with light, especially during the vegetative stage, because they are going to start to respond poorly. Too much light without enough carbon or um, nutrition is definitely going to stunt growth. You're going to start to see deficiencies. Um, and one of the, the new things that a lot of people are picking up on when they're making that transition between HID and LED is that with a much more broad spectrum, uh, we're talking like your traditional 400 nanometer to 700 nanometer, you're going to be taking up a lot more nutrition and it's going to be a lot a more full spectrum nutrition. So it's definitely something that I would keep in mind um, if you're transitioning, but also yeah, focus on CO2. Does that go into that equation? For sure. For sure. Um, and we see a lot of this, especially for the difference between, you know, organic growers and synthetic growers. Um, when you've got an organic grow and say you're not supplementing with CO2, your light levels are going to need to be a little bit lower than what you would expect, which is, you know, somewhere between the seven to 900, maybe even a thousand range, depending on your available environmental CO2. Um, typically in like, say a house, you're going to get somewhere between 400. And if you've got a lot of pets, maybe 600 PPMs of CO2, which is not a ton. Um, once you start getting into those higher light levels, say above a thousand PPFD to your canopy, then you're going to need to start supplementing. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Or else you're just really not taking advantage of those light levels. Exactly. And your plants will actually start to suffer because of that. How you doing, Scotty? Are you in the room? I am in the room, man. I've had tech hell. <laughs> I went to go press uh, connect, and it's a, it, it was actually my computer this time. My computer, I think, died. Anyway, I'm on my phone. I apologize. What's up, everybody? What's up, Scotty? Yeah, guru. What's up with that beard, man? That's what I got. Oh, How long has it been since I've seen you, man? I've been working on it. <laughs> Uh, Brock, what's up, brother? Thank you for hey. dropping some science with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. 
Yeah, it absolutely is, man. Or it will be, all right? You guys are going to take my stress away now. Hey, did Chad Westport get in? We, me and I, I were both did, having sir, technical you know. problems. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We were having technical problems. It was like two drowning people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. sorry, guys. Uh, who else, man? I, I can't see everybody, man. I'm over here, here, too. Hey, hey, Scotty. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, what's up, brother? I apologize for being late, but man, I was really excited. I worked on this a bunch. Just I, no, not a bunch. It took me about twenty minutes to come up with an hour's worth of content and questions for everybody. Man, fair enough. Yeah, don't worry, buddy. I can take you. You can start jumping in. We haven't gone shopping for LEDs yet. If you want to go shopping and say, "Take me shopping," and <laughs> you know what to look out for, we did discuss a, a little bit of uh, a PPFD and UMOL per joule just to bring up the speed. But uh, sure, funny, yeah, shiz. I I would want to know, like, is it? I we had the old LED lights. They're supposedly last forever, and it's not a pitch to buy new LED lights for Christmas. But uh, when would you want to buy new LED lights? And then is there like I compare these as far as I guess quality and efficiency compared to uh, the ones I don't know five years ago? Do we want to go back ten years? But has there been a lot of has it been just like it is is it been just a little slow steady rise in the quality of them to where so the, i yeah. like i like to liken it to semiconductors like computer chips and cb like uh leds are silicon that's like how, how they're made and they're kind of made in the sure. same, uh factories and fabs that way and it's like uh the computer that comes out next year is a little bit like five to ten percent better than the one that came out last year, and LEDs right. have kind of kept pace to that like Moore's law as far as uh, just getting more and more efficient as the years go on. Because we've gone from I don't know 10, ten years ago when I brought that first LED out here, that was like one point eight U moles per joule, and we're up to their lights that are two point nine or three. I, I'm not sure what the latest stuff that uh, HLG has out. But I mean, they're getting up there to where that's like a hundred percent increase in efficiency over the last like ten years. Yeah, that's a big deal. That is, and deal. just <laughs> and just to comp compare it, so we get a comparison. Uh, in HPS, we used to always talk about they're right around one point two UMOLs per joule. One point six. Okay. Or one point six, and then the if you remember the light emitting ceramics, like the three fifty inches. Yeah. That's what like I was one, wondering. Yeah. One was like one eight, and I'm pretty yeah, sure. One eight, yeah, one, one eight, one nine. Mm -hmm. Matt, what like are you running your place? Uh so we got 350Rs in veg, but then we flip over to HID and flower. But like it's more of like a because of my system and the way that I run things and the way that I'm comfortable with knowing how results oriented I am. Um it's right. kind of why I'm still sticking with HBS at this point, but uh, the LED growth in veg, like we did, uh, 350 CMHs, uh, years ago. And when we switched over to LED finally, uh, and then brought the 350 Rs in, it was a whole new game changer, but the plants reacted in such a better way. Like they were very stressed out on the CMH versus, uh, bringing in underneath an LED and just watching really thrive. Man, that it didn't they, there's a huge difference in spectrum right between a uh a hps light which is yellow it, uh, just as far as color and then the white of the of the leds uh, am i wrong I, somebody pop in i'm brock did you know about that yeah for sure so you know when you're looking at hps it's a fairly isolated spectrum 
uh, visually for the most part, but then you're also going to get a little bit of UV light from that, which is beneficial for resin and uh, trichome production, but you're also getting infrared. And those are two spectrums that we don't really see very well. Um, so those are all playing into that HPS, but by and large, what we could see out of it was isolated. And so it came out with this really orange, yellowish kind of spectrum from those HPS. Whereas like you said, now that we're using full spectrum LEDs, we're getting the entire gamut from 400 nanometer to 700 nanometer and even above that. Um, but that allows us to get a much better picture of what's going on in our grow. You know, so much so to the point where you don't even need color correcting glasses. Uh, you're going to be able to diagnose and understand what's happening in there and then respond to situations as necessary a whole lot faster. Well, we're looking at the at the specs of an eight insane the the method seven glasses you guys sent with those lights like when those lights are turned all the way up glasses are just mandatory and so if you're working in there a lot with how bright they are do wear glasses in your grill yes for sure i mean you know please protect your eyes you're exposing yourself to that stuff every day and one of the things I was hoping that if you were shopping, I do the same thing when James Bean comes on or, or his other breeder will come on I'll, or a breeder will come on. I'll say, hey, can you explain to me if I'm reading this uh, catalog and I'm looking at specs as far as seeds and it says F1 or IBL, can you explain to me what that means? Can we do the same thing if we're shopping for grow lights and we're scrolling down and I see what 3,500K or 3,000K, that's the color, right? Right. Yeah. So we're talking about a Kelvin spectrum there. And, you know, if, if we're jumping into Kelvin, there's there's a broad analysis that says, you know, a warmer Kelvin rating is going to be better in flower than a cooler Kelvin, which is going to be more designed for vegetative growth. But so we just um, let me stop you right there. And we say warmer and cooler. Let's give some some color references. So a, a warmer is more reds. Is that right? Yes. More red. Cool. Um, and closer to like, say, your 2000 to maybe 3000 Kelvin range. Okay. And cooler is going to be more blue, more crisp, more daylight, say noon daylight spectrum. And that's going to be, you know, anywhere from like, say, 4000 to 7000 Kelvin. Is that real science or bro science that you, that you need to change your, your color temperature, your, your Kelvin? Um, it's not necessarily bro science. But it's definitely something that's being studied a lot more uh, avidly now. So, you know, talking with some of these universities, they're saying that you don't need to flower under only a 3000 Kelvin if you've got the right red to blue ratio. Great red to blue ratio. Yes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, so like one one uh, like important thing or kind of a, like to point out with color spectrum and then like power of or efficiency of the light too yeah is uh the main thing that drives uh growth of the plant and like biomass yield not really uh like narrowing it down to just flower or uh just more leafy material on the plant or more stems more biomass yield is always going to be corresponded to more uh like humols that are coming into contact with the plant continuously where spectrum is much more important for like the morphology of the plant. So like how, uh, how it's going to grow. That's why the more red leaning kind of helps influence the plant towards uh, more flowering growth. 
the more blue light make, uh, keeps internodal spacing tighter and uh, more leafy material is going to grow on it. And that's why we kind of think of those as like a veg light and then the more red light as a flower light. The main thing that drives biomass yield on the plant is just going to be the amount of light that's coming out of it. Um, so like that's when I look at a light, that's the first thing I'm looking for is how many watts is the light and what's the efficiency of it in like uh, PPF per watt or moles per joule. And then after that, uh, the spectrum comes into play more uh, for like fine tuning the growth of the plant. And, Got and, the it. Red and, the, and the effects of red and blue spectrum on the morphology is, you know, well documented, well studied. That's actually how we wound up in the blurple phase of LEDs. We've since realized that, you know, monochromatic or just two spectrums, not good. We need the full spectrum. But yeah, blue and red definitely has been documented for, for well, plant morphology. That that all makes sense with why uh, metal halide and HPS work so well. And uh, really specifically why HPS was able to stay king for so long. And like Matt's still running them in his in his flower rooms is it just puts out so much light, not necessarily in an efficient way. But uh, a thousand watts of light above something is still like a with an HPS. That's a lot of light. And it's sure. not even really in like that good of a spectrum for plant growth or anything like that. They made them to be like lights over parking lots and stuff. But it puts out so much light that it can drive that yield. And it does have some of the red in it. So it is a good flower light. But as far as like ideal spectrum, it's not even close. It just is a ton of power. It's yeah, not I mean, it's not like that. Like what I, I I'll admit to being not being efficient just from the um, the power draw, but to uh, the inefficiency of bulbs and the bulb changing and the uh, the amount of percentage of ball of uh, light you lose over the course of a year versus an LED over the course of five years. So like don't think that just because a commercial grower is running HPS that it's not uh, more beneficial to run an LED. But it's just like kind of within my circumstances. I kind of had a question though. Because uh, and I've run like two lighter LED rooms like it's not like the big, you know, commercial LED grows, uh, at least in flowering. Uh, I come across a lot of people that make these switches in the commercial industry to LED and they say they have a hard time adjusting their atmosphere or their environment to uh, the growth of the plants. And they're seeing a lot more molds, mildews, uh, failing a lot more tests because they can't keep the environment up. But to me, like uh, it doesn't make it doesn't computer make sense. And hopefully you guys can with a little bit more lighting uh, to, uh, advancement can help. But um, it, in my eyes, if we kept the same VPD range and we're uh, paying attention strictly to leaf surface temperature, we should be maintaining uh, equal growth from an LED to an HPS, uh, as long as we're like equating the microvolts per joule on a watt to watt basis. So like, you know, getting a, a thousand watts worth of LED out of an, uh, uh, say a 600 LED. Um, and like, is there environmental changes that needs to happen? Are there things that need to be taken into account, like flipping in a flower, like going from an HPS full room, 50 light grow to an LED room? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, one of the big environmental things is that um, LEDs don't naturally produce any infrared spectrum. So when you're referring to leaf surface temperature, we're not able to heat up the leaf surface with an LED the same way that we were with an HID. And that was one of the efficiencies with HIDs. To be honest, if an HID didn't produce in the infrared or in the UV, then they would be extremely efficient. And that's kind of where CMH comes in. Um, but back to the leaf surface temperature, because we don't produce infrared spectrum, your leaf surface temperature is completely controlled by your environment. 
So when when we're looking at uh, a full room of lighting, your environment and, you know, similar to what I was saying to Brett earlier is we want to control the environment first and foremost with LED and then just let the LED provide the light. Um, so typically we're seeing around 83 to 85 degrees is going to be your sweet spot. And then you can get slightly above that, getting your leaf stomata open uh, by raising that leaf surface temperature. And then well, as by far as... Any, sorry, by maintaining VPD throughout too, like, you know, right. obviously there's relative to humidity to that as well. Um, yeah. But then, like, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say air movement is a, another big thing when it comes to molds and mildews, especially powdery mildew, as we all know, can be fairly well controlled with just good air management in a room. And so you may get a little bit more of a humidity swing um, during the daytime with LEDs, whereas you would get your humidity swings and uh, reach that dew point when HIDs would shut off. So in that, you know, they, I, let me, let me interject on that a little bit. Cause they like, when you're, you're seeing those less uh, humidity swings, it's cause your AC is turning out less cause your AC is a dehumidifier. So you're dehumidifying yes. your room through your AC a lot less. So that's where those swings could come in. Exactly right. Yeah. So we do find that people are having to run dehumidifiers a lot more with H or with LEDs as opposed to HIDs because they're not running their AC as aggressively. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're also going to have to feed a little bit more with LEDs just because you've got a broad spectrum. So you're constantly putting moisture back into the room, which then has to be pulled back out of the room. Good girl talk. Good conversation. Oh, you're waiting for. <laughs> I got. I'm so stuck, man. I'm so stuck. I have my phone. I'm in another country. I have no internet, man. Yeah, I'm dying over here, man. Minute. We're we're in the we're in the middle of the show, so I'll take just a minute to remind everybody, man. If you're having a good time on this panel, uh, go over to Horticulture Lighting Group. Get yourself some badass lights. Coupon code Dude will help you out. It's more than badass lights. You guys have always been available. I always preach DDC likes to work with people that are going to answer the phone. They're going to help people that send out replacement parts in the drop of the hat. Keep your grows going. Everything from seeing what can come out from a 100-watt R-spec out of a 2 by 4 tent from a DDC grower was blowing our mind. Um, all the way up to your commercial size lights up in the 700-watt range. So Horticulture Lighting Group um, com. Check them out. And uh, as well, all our pros are listed. If you can't remember that, dudegrows.com forward slash pros. Scotty, I think you tried to ask this earlier. What we didn't, uh, and Guru, you kind of chimed in on it. How long can I run my light before I should replace it? We didn't give like, is it good? Uh, 10 years, if it's still turning on, I mean, probably not. Your driver's probably toast by then, but it, the driver's replaceable and we can still fire the diodes. So are you seeing people been able to run their light for eight years and it's down 8%? Uh, I will say I'll average a 12-hour day just off the top of my head, 365. Anybody? Brock. So, yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, so when we're looking at the longevity of an LED, um, it's there going to be two ratings that we're looking at. And one is the rating or lifespan of a driver. The other is going to be the rating and lifespan of the diodes. Um, right now, you know, with these really high-end Inventronics drivers that are running super efficient um, and fairly underdriven for their max potential, we're... They're, they're rating those at around 70,000 operating hours. Um, with the Samsung diodes, especially top bin diodes, 
where you know you're looking at like bottom voltage bin and top flux bin meaning it it produces more photons per less for a lower voltage um you know they're rating those at a hundred thousand operating hours so if everything were operating perfectly we're looking at around 11 11 and a half years is what you can expect before those start to degrade to you know a level that you would want to replace we're talking like maybe 30 percent uh degradation over time and if you're not running them at 100 percent, you can expect to get even more out of that but they are increasing in efficiency every every year a few percentage right so you could be spending 50 percent more on power while getting 30 percent less light after eight or nine years Yes, we are getting more efficient. I do feel like we're getting towards a plateau. So either we're going to stumble on something that's going to be, you know, groundbreaking again, um, you know, like flip chip technology, the the Samsung diodes, or, you know, we're going to start slowing down on our efficiency growth. Is there a, a ceiling to the micromoles per joule? Yes, there is. Um, I mean, theoretically, yes. Yeah. So, you know, Max, we're we're looking at like four and a half micromoles per joule is supposed to be the ceiling. But even now, I think there are ways that they're able to get around that. Um, so, you know, I was, I, I was under, under the understanding that just like pure physics, uh, 4.5 is, is yeah. the, like the maximum, the exactly. theoretical maximum. And what, what's your best light at right now? Uh, right now, actually, I believe dude's running one of our highest tested so far at a little over 3.2. So that's just efficiency. That's like miles per gallon, right? If I'm just trying to dumb this down and try to teach my buddy how to how to buy a grow well, light from the catalog, right? Yeah. And, and like another cool thing about if that theoretical maximum were ever reached, there would be... And like the reason you can't reach it is because nothing, it'd be 100% uh, complete electrical conversion. Nothing would be lost as heat at four and a half moles per joule. So the, the light wouldn't make any heat because every bit of electricity going into it is turning into light. Okay, so is that a measure of, is a joule a measure of heat or a measure of power? It's a measure of energy. And like you can convert it to watts, but it's like in physics, what's used is a measure, measure of energy. But that's basically how much light you get out of how much power or how much light you get out of how much power. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does that All number right. increase based on spectrum? Like is spectrum the driving point to that number? Uh, I think materials and diodes are. So, you know, some of this has to do with the industry that's driving what we're looking at as far as needs um you know one of the main reasons why we're looking at red diodes as being so efficient is because they've got so much financial backing and research behind that but it's changing rapidly um i mean you know a great example we can look at is the mint diode from samsung uh evo mints that everybody's been talking about a lot of these led companies are going after and that you know we're not even talking about red phosphorus in that diode, but red phosphorus at this point is still king of efficiency. I have no idea what that means. Well, it means <laughs> so like uh, just a plain white diode uh, is can get to a certain efficiency. Let's just say like for reference three, uh, pure. If you made a light that was just red light, you could claim and say you have like a three point four U moles per joule efficiency. Got it. It's got a, it. It's just a red light. It's never going to grow. Like you need the rest of the spectrum going behind it. 
Um, Understood. But like red, red is the most efficient of any of the spectrums as far as like making LEDs to make it. We got a question on the, the UMO. It sounds like you have a direct correlation with heat to a degree. Guru, you were saying if, if you get reached that 4.5, that, that LED light would create plenty of light, but no heat, right? So yeah. as we're getting higher in this rating, like I was just mentioning earlier, at different situations, I'm having to run a heater. I'm wondering if, which, are we reaching a point where there is a, a, a you don't want to go high, too high, you're plugging in lights that create no heat, you're going to have to supplement heat regardless. So well, yeah. Like. And I mean, that's part of the reason HPS uh, was king for so long in those like Dutch style greenhouses. They grow them in the Netherlands, which is like fairly far northern latitude. It doesn't have the Gulf sure. Stream going by it that like they needed the heat in their greenhouses to be able to run them year round. Um, so like it wasn't uh, an inefficiency to them. It was a dual purpose from their lights. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some situations where. I would personally rather have the really good spectrum and the really good efficiency and run a heater just when I need it um, than have to try and balance the light being your heater. And it's just uh, harder to control your environment that way. And dude, like when you asked earlier about, you know, whether you should be turning your heater on or light, uh, turning the wattage up on your light, you have to watch your plants and see what your plants are doing. Like your plants are okay with the more wattage than turn them up. But if they're starting to stress out, then you might have to supplement that heater in. Well, and you guys, yeah. like, you know, Scotty likes to talk PPFD. And it's, so what, what do you do? What should your PPFD be in these different phases of growth? Well, my qu- question to that is, do you have just a general recommendation as well? A lot of people don't have a PPFD meter and they're not going to buy one. They hear what you're saying. Oh yeah. The photon app, man, works just as works pretty damn good. Yeah. If you have a meter and if you have a meter and you can do it and you just want one PPFD to run all the time, I'd probably say 850. Like and especially when your plants are small, your plants are small yeah. and you keep the light the same distance from the canopy. It's not actually 850 when the plants are in a one gallon versus when they're fully grown and flowered out. Well, I mean, I've fried my plants over and over again, trying to dial these lights up too fast. I mean, no one else has, you know, has experience I, with I did light. the same thing on my, at the commercial, like we were running at 87% on the 350Rs. We have 60 of them in a room and we were running it a rate out from clone to one. And we decided real quick to take a dial that down to 50% and then incrementally uh, increase that pretty much every time we're doing a feeding. Yeah, Brock, do you hear people complaining about burning their plants with these lights? We do from time to time. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely going to be PPFD levels that you would want to try and stay in. But if you don't have a meter, um, even saying like you don't want to run too much during clone especially you need very minimal light i mean heck we were doing it with uh fluorescence a bulb on a string was doing great for clones for a long time and then you know as you get into veg like guru saying if you were to set that light at say a specific height and then measure it you know where you project your flower to be and set that as your your main ppfd when you're in veg they're small they're tiny and then they'll grow up and into that ppfd range so and it's it's uh how like uh stuff is done in in greenhouses and has been in ag for a really long time when you're designing a greenhouse and you're doing it the right way you're figuring up the dli just the total amount of think about light as raindrops that's hitting uh the canopy of your plants um you're also worrying about 
uh, the different levels off of the ground, what PPF those plants are going to be at. If you have something up on a table or on a bench versus on the ground or on a rack where it's raised higher, you can kind of have multiple levels of PPF, PPFD in your greenhouse or in your grow room uh, just based off of how far away they are from the light. And that's that's one thing that I think a lot of the home growers do with these LEDs when they get them, because they see people running them like right on top of the canopy, where if you were at yeah. HPS before, you're keeping it way off. And, you know, one thing that does is that does increase, you know, the intensity reaching the plants. You said read the plants. It also reduces your coverage in the corners, though. So as Guru was saying earlier, you know, if you have a really powerful light and you set that high in your tent, and you use the diffused light, that's really more efficient, I think, and better for the plants than actually just slamming it down as low as you could go because you're trying to get more power. Because yeah. I like to think of it uh, like in science, surface area is, is, is super important for everything. I want to get my lights and the photons coming out of the light to get as much of the surface area of the plant as like humanly possible. And the best way to do that is with a diffuse light because it bounces around and it's going everywhere. Um, as opposed to just sitting right on top of a couple colas. And then it's very easily shaded out by the leaves that are directly in front of it. And you're getting like no penetration where diffuse light penetrates further, which is kind of counterintuitive because it's not as intense, but it's able to bounce around and get deeper into the plant. And like the What's more the ideal? Light... <laughs> sorry, Scotty. Uh, yeah, I just want to know what the ideal height over canopy canopy is. Depends on where you are in your growth. Well, like, what me. what I'll Sean was just line. talking about was it was a uh, uh, getting it as high as possible for coverage. And I mean, I you know you guys make uh, LEDs, Brock. What do y'all recommend for coverage as far as that goes? And then I know like you hooked me up with this six fifty. That's this long thin light that's perfect for my two by six veg. Um, but is that why I know uh, Chad uses those the lights that look like a spider? You know, there's, so there's all different kinds. The 350Rs are kind of a bit more compact. How do you all do layout, and how would you recommend laying out? So, um, with with cloning aside, because that's going to be a, a completely different area when it comes to growth and and you know lighting patterns. Uh, yeah. I usually like to see a lower PPFD anywhere from say 200 to 600 for vegetative growth, and you're going to find that to be ideal at about half of the light strength. So 50% at three feet above the canopy. If we're talking about a 350, um, and even as you're getting up into the, the larger 700 watt range, what we're looking at with those larger lights is increasing the footprint, but we can still run it at say 50% at three feet over a six foot area, a six by six. So like 36 square feet and get that How still nice, even coverage. How come I want to run my lights at 50%? Aren't I wasting 50%, man? Well, when you're, <laughs> kind of, yes and no. So at 50%, your lights are going to be not pulling the same wattage. At 350 watts, when you run it at 50%, you're only going to be sure. pulling 175 watts. So you're right. not really wasting any electricity. Um, and in fact, you can be increasing efficiency to a certain extent. Um, and that's... You know, you don't want to push your plants too hard. You don't want to overstress them unless you have the right parameters. And, you know, you're talking about people that are running some bizarre experiments with 3,000, 4,000 PPFD to the canopy. How? Those aren't what I we're don't, discussing. And it, 
And Scott, the guys, think, think you know, about it. Think about it like cars. Would you rather have uh, just like a daily driver that can't really go that fast uh, that you drive through the city, or would you rather have like a Porsche that you drive through the city all the time, but you have that extra power if you want it? Do I make double payments on the Porsche? Maybe, oh, no. but, but if <laughs> no, if I'd much, I'd much rather have a grow where, like, if I wanted to dial that light up, uh, yeah, eight hundred PVFT, it is. I have that ability. Um, not that you necessarily I'm, need to use it all the time. You want to read your plants and and uh, I mean, but you have that ability if you if you want to. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I, too, when you dim your lights with LEDs, you're actually gaining efficiency versus an HBS. Is that correct? right? Yep, oh, it yeah, is true. No. Correct. Yeah, man. So how are we not? Nobody else is having problems burning their plants. Yeah, I've got plenty of light. Brock is. These guys are nice enough. They they send me so much light that I can. But as soon as I dial in past thirty five, I'll go from thirty five to forty percent. How's your humidity yeah. swings in your room? Are you able to sustain a, a, a crucial, a, a good environment? Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. You ask me about my humidity? No, I'm just having fun. Uh, no, I've got a I've got a dehumidifier in there that keeps it steady. Uh, tell me about that. Why? Why? Why do you ask that? I mean, first question. Because the first thing that I look at, and the thing we talked about this last time, is if your plants are showing stress, is what's the environment like? And then I'll start looking at other factors and decide if it's oh, something it's else causing that a factor. So I mean, my, in this case, in this scenario, you guys haven't burnt your your stuff with lights. You guys, you guys I know, know I turn the LEDs up. No, I have. Like, like I said, when we came out of Cologne, one gallon at 87% of the 350 was way too much. Like the plants were not having it. So I dialed them back to 50% and roughly every two to three days, we raise it four to 5%. Yeah, that sounds good, but thank you. My, under them, but have my lights starting at 50%. And now my lights are pinned to the ceiling at 100% because they need the heat. But my plants are probably six feet below that right now, just barely like seedlings. So they should be fine. I like to let my plants grow up into the light and keep the light full blast, but there's a damn good gap uh, between it, like three and a half, four feet right now. I wanted to before, I know Brock is on the um, East Coast. You're taking your, it's getting later there. I wanted to get one UV question out. If you have a minute before, I know you got to go family to tend to and whatnot. Um, this is from dudegrows.com guys. And this is in from Mike. And we've been talking UV a little bit more. I think myself, it's one of the most I want to say underrated, but things that can be taken advantage of cheaply, low watts, easy to install. And Grambo, I don't know if you can show the picture on this post of the UV light attached to their 600 watt, but it's slick. So it says, I recently added on an HLG 30 UVA light to their HLG Scorpion. You guys got like mounting brackets, so it just goes right up in the middle, which looks awesome. Um, I see that some, I see some preliminary indications are showing up at a, to a 30 increase in terpene levels so we can go all over with this not just terpene levels and they're not saying a 30 percent increase in thc weight or anything like that um and is this like uva only so um as far as the the structure of the light it's going to be uva only yes but we use yes we use two different wavelengths of UVA. And that is to try and give us a, a slightly broader band of UV. So we use not only 385, which is the more common UV diode out there, but we also use 365, which is getting down into some of your, your lower nanometer UV light. Um, and this is more in an effort to make it more plant available and useful. Um, 
you know, by and large, the idea behind supplementing UV for your grow is to create a reaction from the plant. We're not we're not looking for photosynthetic activity. You know, this isn't trying to drive any growth from the plant. You're looking for the response. And the hey, response- do me a favor, just, just a timeout, because that's such an important thing. I want to make sure everybody knows exactly what we're talking about with that, Brock. Uh, we're looking at not trying when you have CO2 and more light and all that stuff. You're trying to build biomass. You're trying to build giant plant material, big buds or whatever. What we're trying to do with with uh, uh, the I, not the IR, the UV is a, more of a stress response or something, right? It's more for trichome production of metabolites, right? That's exactly right. So we're trying to force the plant into reacting to a stressor. You know, it's not any different than us going to the gym and working out and you you tear your muscles and it hurts, but it's a stressor and you are better for it afterwards. Well, for the most part. Um, <laughs> so that's essentially what we're doing with UV is we're we're creating a stressor that the plant will respond to. And just like you said, it is to produce more trichomes and more resin. Um, and in doing that, it also helps to harden off the outer side of the trichome. So if you're finding that, you know, your plants are having uh, a lot of really sticky tendencies and you want to harden that off, UV may be perfect for that, but it's definitely going to be, you know, cultivar dependent, you know, sure. so cultivars just don't really respond well to that. Matt, you never messed with it before? Commercial setting? I mean, we, we've had uh, people in pitching the, U, uh, the UV, the whole UV spectrum. There's lights that they make now that are, uh, they, you get UVA, B, and C, which, but it can be dangerous, so you have to plan appropriately. But, um, you know, I, I just haven't been able to experiment with it at this point. Right. And the C is the one they use for cleaning, right? That's not C, for plants. C is for cancer, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I, I remember. A is all right, B is burn, and C is for cancer, right? I made that up myself, so it could be completely wrong. <laughs> but A, A is the one that we're using. <laughs> yes so you know um as far as research goes and looking at some of these these studies that have been published uh b is going to be the most noticeably effective uh, really but it does come with drawbacks and like you said b is for burn uh so we're going to run with that it it definitely has a tendency to burn and even in my own experience you know early on playing yeah. with some of these um you know, UV T5 bulbs back in the day. And I've, I've scorched plants, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's dialing in the time though, like, right. So how long, I know some of these, you guys, you don't run them long. I looked at some UVBs where it's like, okay, you only run these for like two hours or an hour here and an hour there. Um, cause I see good, like you said, good reports on both. And I would like to run both UVA and UVB and, you know, bring it all, but then I'm not knowing exactly which one's doing what and testing too much at the same time. Um, and in, but, in the yeah. research I've seen, UV2, uh, although it does increase the amount of uh, like cannabinoids and uh, secondary metabolites the plant is able right. to make, um, you get an overall much lower biomass yield using it. So like you will get really small, wow, dank buds. Um, so you can get better like uh, better metabolite yield on the plant. But way less yield, like 30% less yield from the stuff that I've seen. It's not something I've ever really played around with just because yeah. um, I get pretty good trichome production on plants just growing under the LEDs without playing around with that. Sure. Um, 
but it, it just never like the cost benefit analysis of uh, UV for me has never really uh, do one of been, one that, been, been one that's made me wanted to jump in on it or try it. I'm interested in them, man. They get me more crystals, man. It will get it will get you more crystals, <laughs> that's for sure. First ramp analysis, Scotty. Hey, hey, I did well, also say one quick thing. Sorry, I'm I'm stepping on you today, Scotty. Yes, sir. You didn't mention yet, just because we had a little Scott had some technical difficulties. Hang on until the end of the show here, guys. We will be announcing the winners for Maestro's fundraiser. We said we'd do it on the next live, and I didn't mention it until now. So everybody that and you also be messaged as well, but we have the winners to announce at the end of the show. We'll do it for our credit, our credits rolling out, Scotty. Yes, dude. Thank you again for holding down the fort. Appreciate you, brother. No worries. Take it. Take it. Uh, as you can ask Chad, Chad, you're, I know you, you know a lot about LEDs, man. You ever play with the uh, UV spectrum at all? And then you're one of those guys that would actually write things down, maybe do AB testing and stuff. You know, I absolutely would, but disappointingly, no. And I do have two separate ones from two different companies and boxes right here. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting correlation I see, at least on the commercial level. Um, you know, Guru was alluding to biomass versus cannabinoid production and trichomes. Sure. I think a lot of people, at least in the genetics world, are starting to, you know, does it wash is an answer you hear a lot of times when you so from that standpoint too, I you know it stands wow. a more benefit to people who are are focused more maybe on hash or rosin production than someone like me who is more flower and biomass based. It's so, true. It's not about biomass for some people. It's just about how they wash. Ugh. It is. It is. So hopefully well, that is and, a candy coated answer to no. I haven't played with the UVs. Mind well, blown. Think about man. it. Just for like. For me, where like I've always been, uh, and Scott, I know you too, for the most part, been a biomass, like big growing to see how much yield you can get and the the product at the end be as dang as it possibly could be. Um, That equation can flip for other people where like if you have a five by five tent and you're just growing for you and you want it to be as good a medicine as it possibly can be, playing around with some UV and getting that dialed in is probably the way to go. Um, just it's just different strokes for different folks. Sorry, man. I'm looking at code for bath salt says I wouldn't write stuff down. Okay. I've tried growing without writing stuff down. It's much harder, man. Much harder. Oh, we didn't engage the chat at, at all yet today. We've been busy chatting, chatting the LED knowledge, man. I appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out. Scott, I'm not trying to wrap it right now. Brock, if you if you want to get going, I know earlier you're welcome. I don't want to kick you out, but yeah, Rob, I got I got one last thing, man. If you guys, yeah. I got one last thing. I definitely want to hit, man. The loiter in the arena of hot topics, man. You ever seen underlighting before? No, yeah. un- underlighting, man. That's a big thing now, man. People are starting to put lights under the canopy, going up. As far as from what me and Guru used to talk about, I always thought the leaves could only photosynthesize on the top, but maybe uh, I'm wrong, man. It's Let's misleading. Talk, baby. It huh? it does it does help. It's not getting absorbed through the underside of the leaf. It's it, uh, going it. up and bouncing off of the uh, leaf that's above it and hitting down on it. So, like, you are getting better light penetration and more light uh, into the intracanopy of, of your grow. Um, but it's not photosynthesizing from the bottom. Realistically, all the research I've seen, side lighting is way better to do as far yes. as um, trying to boost intracanopy light than lighting from underneath. So, Especially the idea is it's going to bounce around. 
Got it. Yep. The idea is diffuse light bouncing around everywhere. Especially in a commercial environment, I have really uh, shaded areas along my walls where we don't have two lights intersecting. Like those areas are, they don't transpire as much. So I have a half a table on, uh, that is way heavier when I go to feed the table versus not. And when you enter like more light into that equation, your transpiration rates go up too. Yeah, it does make sense. So you, you're using like bar lighting on the side or Brock, what do you guys recommend for side lighting? Well, um, you know, it's not really, it's not really open yet. It's not something that people have started working towards a side lighting. Um, but I have seen bar lighting, especially on a flex. So if you can take your hinge and you can kind of angle your second or your last light against the wall towards the canopy, uh, you're definitely going to get a lot more canopy penetration that way. Um, one of the things that, you know, going, we're, we're going back again, you know, time machine, um, that a lot of HID growers knew when it came to side lighting or inner canopy lighting was basically just taking your bulb, dropping it on a string from your ballast into the canopy so that you would get that 360 cover. Remember those? I always wondered about that, you know, and then those were the guys that were getting like three per light and stuff. The giant just, you always wondered how you could fit 20 lights in such a small area. And it's because they were doing stuff like that. It seemed insane. Yeah. Is that efficient as long as we're talking about you know, whatever? Because um, I always thought that as soon as uh, light was bouncing off things, it lost a ton of efficiency. Is that true? It is. Um, you know, direct lighting is always going to be more efficient than uh, diffuse lighting to an extent. But Me diffuse lighting is going to allow you to have more overall coverage. I'm just thinking so of the like, hoods, the old HBS hoods. Well, that was because they put out light at 360 degrees around it, where an LED puts it out in like yeah. 140 degrees underneath it. Sure. Um, so you don't need that hood because nothing's going up. Everything's being focused down towards where the plants are. Um, but yeah, uh, light does get uh, less powerful once it bounces and, and diffuse, but it's still a photon and it gets to where it's going eventually if you're in a closed and up enough room. Um but yeah, the the side lighting can help. It is not efficient as far as getting photons onto the canopy. But if you're right. getting those photons onto a part of the canopy that doesn't normally get them, then it is beneficial. But if your electric bill is your biggest worry, then like I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have UV, man. Get me, go with my cannabinoids over biomass. Yep. Photons on canopy. Shirt, sticker. I like it. Photons on canopy. <laughs> And, and you, you just have to have a way to quantify it, though, at home. It's like, you know, if you do add the UV bar in, it's like, how can you really tell? That's that's maybe what has held me back, I think. Right. So like, actually, what metric do I have? And, yeah. Yeah. My yeah, is so frosty anyways. I mean, what can I say? It's, I can speak to that, Chad, because this is the first time I'm harvesting out this cut of orange gasm in my grow. So if I add, which I really want to, if I add UV to this first harvest of it, how am I going to have any damn basis next time I grow it, you know? So it's like, you got to be very patient as a grower if you're properly doing the testing uh, with anything, added nutrients, added this. So uh, that kind of bums me out. I think I might have to hold off now. I'll do it on one part of the grow and not the other part. There we go. 
Anyway. Yeah, that's what we need separate tents, man. Okay. In separate rooms. Okay. With separate environment. No. <laughs> it's so easy to say it, but it's so hard to really quantify, you know, do a true A B testing with all the variables except for one different. Yeah, I'll yes. shout out some uh or you can keep I don't know. I think we covered most of uh yeah. the yes about it. Yeah, it was good. Give any of everybody a chance to shout out. As we usually do, um, you know, what the heck are you doing now, Guru? How can people find you? Are you unfindable now? Are you retired from being found? <laughs> oh, that I'm beard not from being found. Uh, yeah, you can look for the beard places. That's a good way to find me. But uh, no, I live up in the mountains in Colorado now. Um, and I'm a fishing guide with Arc Anglers. If you ever want to go fishing and you're on the Arkansas River or uh, the South Park Reservoirs or anything like that, I'm here. And uh, just started a new photography and videography business, uh, doing like weddings, elopements, commercial photography, drone stuff. So, first off, that's really cool. Second of all, you said weddings, elopements. That means like somebody they elope, and then you're just there. There happens well, to be a photographer there, man. Yeah, pretty much the Rolling Stoner. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just sounds yeah. cool, you know. I, I'm so glad we were. I'm so glad we ran away to get married. I just wish we had a photographer. Oh, yep. honey. And yeah. I mean, uh, she's got four service permits. So we can uh, go like take people to a really beautiful location. And yeah. she's ordained as a minister. Uh, have their wedding right right there and record it. Wow. Yeah. So then they don't have to have their family around if they don't want them. But then they still God, have a the nice worst. video of the wedding. Yeah. Or, I mean, realistically, I can live stream it too if they want to. But haven't had anyone ask. Uh, that's thirty percent extra, man. Thirty bucks extra. Yeah, that was okay. that. Yeah, that was a like footage. that probably would have been big during the <laughs> pandemic if you had the like live stream it's, elopement wedding. But that's the ultimate fu to the people. It's like we don't want you here. We ran away. <laughs> but you can watch it on the TV. Okay, you can watch yep. it on video. Yep, that's I'll make awesome. You a movie. I love it, man. Bring it. Were you hanging? IG, what not? Shout it out. Oh, uh, IG, Sean.Crayer, S-C-A-N dot K-R-A-Y-E-R. That's that's my IG. That's the best way to get in touch with me, for sure. Right on. Hey, thank you for doing this. Just last minute, I, I called Guru, and I was like, hey, man, we're talking to LEDs. You should come on. And he said, yep. And I appreciate that, brother. I do. Of course, man. People, everybody misses you. I've seen Shep Life 420 in there, was saying we missed the hell out of you, Guru. I think he called you Playa. Huh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sub player. Now, good stuff, uh, man. Shout out to Michigan Matt, man. What's up? Michigan Matt, Michigan Matt on Instagram, faded.li. Thanks for having me. Always love doing these streams. Yeah, these are fun, man. Oh, yeah, you What's do represent. On? What's going on? No, I said it's always <laughs> good deal. That's all I got, man. I'll shout out the HLG. Uh, anything you want to add, Brock, you guys have been OG supporter of the show. Always hooking up the DDC with some great lights made in the USA. And uh, yeah, what am I missing? Like, can you guys do like an IG shout out where we can find you all that good stuff? Yeah. So we have two IGs. Um, one is just horticulture lighting group. And then the other is HLG USA. So either one of those we're in constant contact with. Um, yeah. Hey, did you guys go to MJ BizCon last week? We did. We did. It what was, was it my like, first time man? in Vegas. Was it, um, was it worth it? 
I mean, for anybody else uh, go? <laughs> for me, it was my first time going, so it's very overwhelming. Uh, actually, first time in Vegas in general, so very overwhelming. But it was wonderful, and we got to meet a lot of great people. Um, Shane from Migro was there. Uh, we met, you know, uh, Crimson Phoenix and then uh, Madman Plant, just some really great influencers out there uh, trying to, to spread some good love. Um, very cool. I, I thought it was fantastic, but I was very, very overwhelmed. I'm, yeah. as you can tell, I was going to say hi. So. <laughs> there was a lot to it this year. And it, I thought one of the cool things they kind of did, but it was also eye opening, was they put cultivation in one room and post production in a different room. And post production room was like one and a half times the size of the cultivation room. Wow. So you can see how much more money is in post production versus what they're investing in cultivation and what's going on with cultivation now. It was kind of cool, though, too, because they put kind of all of us cultivator like minded people in one area so we were able to like kind of run into each other a lot more than maybe what you were able to in the other room but the other room seemed to be like more suits and girls with low-cut shirts and shit going on hey did you learn anything there i'm just saying I'm not, like i don't do the breakout sessions so i'm not really learning anything from there one of the most uh unique products that i saw and i think i talked to jr about this a little bit yesterday was um uh, the AI and some of like the camera systems that they have setting up where you can like put it on. It's like uh, when you're watching a football game, the wire cameras that they go over the field, they're like doing that in on top of your grow room now. So AI is tracking your canopy. So to indicate issues in areas. Oh, sorry. I was choking and muted. That is insane. Are you looking forward to that or dreading it? You think it's going to make your job easier or harder? Man, I, a giant grow. Uh, for me, like I'll never uh, fully be able to trust or rely on it, although it's probably gonna be smarter than I ever will be um, just because I have a trained eye on what I like to see. But for like new cultivators or guys who had maybe don't have as well plant training or like for people that uh, if like you have multiple facilities and you have to trust people to watch your facilities, I, I could see benefits in certain areas. I see I see their target. Their target market is definitely the pink suits that want to like turnkey grow operation mm -hmm. they're gonna like flock to that type of stuff and then quality's almost you, never you gotta have you, you, don't, you don't have natural you, eyes you on it, so, loves. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't have the energy you don't have the same yeah. well you don't think if this camera's going over and can see colors all eggs you know it just has a you know it can see thousands or millions of colors and it can see a, a potassium deficiency faster than you can or uh magnesium has that weird little purpling that starts with i mean that's so you can you can see that it's, it's, with the ai and the automated systems it's all good until it's not because if something gets out of calibration and it thinks it's doing the so right true. thing, it's, you know, so there will always have to be that human input. But now maybe it's just watching it on a screen. You know, a hundred years from now, this might be completely different, but I think we're all kind of still in this old school mindset of we don't need technology to tell us how to grow. We can use it with our own eyes. And at least with some of us, you know, that have been doing it for many years. Hey, I'm just going to check my Pulse Pro app really quick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like how me and scotty used to talk about leds back in the day it's kind of i know right i have a little bit yeah a little bit uh, man uh chad westport shout us out man what's up twin peaks cannabis yes sir uh just on youtube chad westport and then on instagram chad.westport and yeah man automation and all that stuff look to the dutch holy cow we've got acres upon acres with no humans <laughs> So what do you mean? Fascinating Tell me. stuff. 
Tell me more, brother. It's fully automated. I mean, there's machines I can take the seedling, plug it into the cup, move it along the assembly line, get pulled yeah. off if it's a certain height, put it in there. The hydroponic system, it's, it's humanless technology. I'm sure you've basically. seen. I'm sure you've seen the Microsoft uh, AIs they have. One, they just have drones that fly over and do all of this. Um, but also the ones where it like goes around and it has a laser that if it senses a weed, it laser zaps the yeah, weed seen and that. away. We've seen that. But yeah, like, that thing's pretty crazy. Kind of crazy. That thing could take over the world. <laughs> hey let's put lasers on drones okay let's do that sounds like a good idea okay it's the help it's the help okay i say we give we give lasers to sharks first yeah you know i seen that man it worked out it was you know, a good it, it ended up being a good idea all right <laughs> oh man well yeah i'm gonna uh say thanks to everybody for giving the time it's really good to see a guru brock chad michigan matt thanks for coming on being panelists again uh, Graham Oak for holding down the boards. We got some business, though, some good business, Scotty. We got to do some rolling credits with some shout outs to uh, the hookups for the Maestro fundraiser winners of last week, guys. We did awesome. We were yes. $6,700 now on the GoFundMe for Maestro's recovery, bounce back from surgery. So thank you to everybody that contributed to that, man. Man, thank you to everybody. That makes a huge difference in Maestro's life. Definitely. And I'm sure you're looking at a phone right now. So I'll start rolling these credits because I'm assuming you probably can't see too well. With, uh, but maybe I can see. Start a, okay. I'm going to give it first off. We got three kits from Tanazi Gardens, guys. This is three mushroom kits uh, to hook up. Thank you, Tanazi. Sacred3mushrooms.com. We're going to hook up. I was trying to decide, like, man, it's hard to decide who you should hook up mushroom kits with. I mean, it's just random hookups, but I do have Aquaponics, Steve, um, and go figure supplies. Uh, I don't know if this is proper, but Grambo. Grambo donated. <laughs> Grambo on a mushroom. <laughs> so we're giving, Grambo's getting a mushroom kit. And Ozzy the Birdman, 420, man. Three mushroom kits, guys. You'll be notified these names I'm hitting out. We're going to hit you up with a thank you through GoFundMe with an email to contact. And we'll get you kinetic, connected with the prizes. Okay, a couple more things here. Raw Genetics. Brad's hooking up three packs to Scott B., Mark M., and Joe A. Are we too specific with first and last initials? Is that it's okay, right, Scotty? No, I think we're all right. You'd have to be. Those are pretty common names right there, okay? Uh, Irish Genetics, three packs as well. Nicholas K., Rich M., and Katie K., thank you all for contributing. Everybody that contributed right. 2500 2500 that'd be sweet, $25. Um, we just put in the random generator and, and picked you out. I'm just curious how we picked them. A few more items. This is where we're getting bigger to some other. we got a couple HLGs in here, Brock. Uh, Tiki Madman Genetics, though, uh, is going to be Christy B, Ben A, and Brent B. And then this one is a big one, the HLG 700 FR. So real quick, the HLG 700 FR, that's going to be geared towards more being a flowering light, Brock, or you can do that full spectrum, but are you going to suffer in veg at all? Um, it is geared more towards flower production. Uh, there are some definite benefits for vegetative growth. So my recommendation would be if you're using it in veg, try and keep it short, maybe four to five weeks max in veg to avoid getting those elongated uh, inner nodes. Okay. All right. Well, excellent tip. This is going to Brett and W. Congrats on the 700R. Uh, hey, isn't that your name? 
<laughs> Random dude. You could say people can say what they will. This is just, just yeah, it could be. Could be. Uh, um, great. Wait, it's just I Grambo and dude taking out all the prizes. <laughs> <laughs> two more items. You know, HLG 100 R spec. Great for a little two by two veg area. Great to flower under. We've seen some great dake ducks come from 100 watts. And that's Travis D. And last but not least, what's up, Rasufa? Thanks. That was a very nice contribution, man. We're going to get cookie up with a bong from Joel Hallen, the bong that we're featuring. I figured that Rasufa could use a bong. Anybody can use a bong. But, man, everybody that had donated, thank you very much. Um, we're going to get this. Hey, now, let's, give, let's give. I got to give some love, too. First off, Joel Hallen, badass glassblower from Colorado. Thank you for that beautiful bong. But come on, HLG. Let's give them some proper love, man. They hooked up the DGC for Maestro. HLG, Brock, will you, uh, Steve and the guys, man, will you just tell them we really appreciate their support so much? You guys have been so great to the DGC. Um, Tiki Madman has been with us a while, man. Super cool friend of the show. Um, come on. Irie Genetics, Rasta Jeff, all these folks just took seeds that they could have sold for money and gave them to us to help Maestro out, man. Brad from Raw Genetics, I appreciate it, all you guys. Sorry, I did scroll just a little bit more for you, Scotty. I forgot about Real Growers is hooking up a four-bucket complete real bucket system. That's going to be Scotty's also got a nine-plant bundle, 24-ounce of dots, eight-ounce of recharge to Matthew J. All right. But not least, last but not least, some more seeds. I forgot Noah. What's up, buddy? Been on the panel from Do You Right has packs from Philip D, Hybrid Ohio, and Tom M. You will all be hey, God, I Give me a minute. This is live. by tomorrow. And yeah, man, thank you everybody for contributing. Get better maestro. Guru, man. Um, we were going to, me and Grambo, we're going to get Noah from Do You Right Genetics because he kind of looks like Guru a little bit to come sit in after we announced it and stuff and fake everybody out for the first five minutes, man. Yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> it's just stunt right, double, man. All right. Uh, let's stay higher. Unless you get anybody has anything else. Thanks again, everybody, for hanging on the panel. Glad you made it in, Scotty. Thank you so much, everybody. This was, uh, I know if I ask my IT guy, Banner, he's going to say, buy an Apple, man. Just buy a Mac. But I had I'd, computer I'd, failure, man. I'd still tell you the same thing, by the way. Guru. Guru. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's cool hanging out, everybody. Miss you, buddy. You Thanks, too. Grandma. Yep. Thank you all. Grandma. Pleasure. I miss you too. All right. And I've only, I seen you last week. I already miss you. Man. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Uh, all right. Take it easy. All you guys.